I would say this to any HMA consultant in the marketing field. You have the information. You have far more information than your clients have, and you can help these people, and they desperately need your help. It's hard to get started, but it does work, and it can work really well for you, and it can be a great service for your clients. Hi, this is Michael Senoff, and to all the HMA consultants, here's an incredible interview I did with a gentleman named Barry Marr. Barry first made his mark as a world-class salesperson, then as a manager and sales consultant, helping improve clients' productivity, often dramatically. Selling Power magazine declared Barry to his powerful and famous clients, Barry Marr is simply the best sales trainer in the business. His clients' lists range from ABC, Capital Cities, and the American Management Association to Fuji Film in the National Lottery of Ireland to Verizon's, not to mention Ameritech, Bell South, and SBC. He's been featured in USA Today, the New York Times, Business Week, Success, the Wall Street Journal. Barry Marr is a sales pro who will show you how to turn your negatives into positive selling points and even bragging points using entertaining, enlightening, and even humorous examples and case studies. This is a two-part recording. Enjoy. Hey, Barry, Mike. How did you first get started in business? Actually, I first started out in business. I had my own advertising specialties company. It was just like a one-man shop. And basically what I did was I went around selling, selling advertising specialties to anybody I could talk into buying them. Were you entrepreneurial in nature? It was my own business. We built up a business for myself and my partner. We ended up covering the entire state of California. Then we spread out to other states. Then I made the mistake of selling the business. And from then, I went into the Yellow Pages and became a Yellow Page consultant and a management consultant and a marketing consultant because that was my background. You've got a consulting practice right now, right? Mm-hmm. How long have you been consulting for? Since 1986. Can we talk about your process of how you generate clients? How do you generate clients for consulting? Are you still out there marketing yourself? Absolutely. Much of what I do now is in the speaking business, so I do seminars and workshops, which means I'm hired by corporations and associations to come in. And we do everything we can to get my name out there as much as possible. I mean, I've got these books, No Lie, Filling the Glass, Legend, the book on Yellow Page Advertising, the Marketing New Book. Get those out there. We generate articles from those books, and I've got an assistant that sends these out and gets them placed all in various publications all over the place, gets them placed all over the internet. We get my name out there as much as possible. We do as many interviews of all types, like this one, as possible on mm-hmm. the radio, little TV, it's harder to get. Uh, you got to be there, that's part of the problem. Whatever we can do to get my name out there. But we're talking about speaking engagements. My assistant is also making a certain amount of cold calls every single day. When he's got spare time, he's on the phone generating those calls. You charge for these speaking engagements, right? Oh, yeah. What do you charge for these? Speakers make very good living. I make more money from the speaking than I make from writing. How about comparing consulting and speaking? Well, they're part and parcel of the same thing. Sometimes it's hard to tell if it's a speaking engagement or a consultation because it might be the same thing. If I'm going in there and I'm doing some extended sales or marketing training, I might be in the company for a day, two days, three days, a week, several weeks. It's really hard to say whether that's a a consultation or a speech, or I might be in there and do a one-hour keynote and also do a follow-up consultation. You could charge for the speaking engagements, and those speaking engagements, it's a product in itself, but it's also a lead generator for your consulting practice. It's a product for itself. Sometimes the consultations are a lead generator for the speaking engagements. They work hand-in-hand. So give me an example of how you landed a good consulting contract from a speaking engagement. 
Well, I have a client who I've worked with a number of times over the years, and they called me up at one point. They saw an article that I'd written in a publication probably in the late 90s. I'd probably written this article in the late 80s. But people clip these things, they hang on to them. And this guy tracked me down, because in those days it wasn't as easy to find people as it is now with the Internet, and called me up and said, could you come in and do a seminar on advertising for my advertisers? And that seminar led to extended consulting. I've been consulting with him ever since. Often on, I'm on retainer with him right now. If you have someone interested in your consulting service, say, Barry, you know, I want you as my consultant. Can you take us through how you structure the deal, how you charge for your services, fee versus retainer or contingency? Do you do any contingency as well? No, I don't do contingency. In fact, I never did do contingency. Is there a reason why? I don't need. I can charge and I can get my fees. And we've never found a need for that. Now, if what I did didn't work, we couldn't do it for very long. Mm -hmm. But I have the expertise, being an author, on whatever subject they call me in. They've usually found out that I have this expertise to begin with. They've seen me in USA Today or the New York Times or something like that. Or if we've done the cold call, we've made sure that they found out about the fact that I was in USA Today or New York Times or whatever it is to establish the expertise. So I can usually get my fee. I'm not ashamed of my fees. And I don't mealy-mouth around them. People ask me if I'm expensive? Absolutely. And why do I charge so much? Because I can. Can I ask you what you charge for a good-sized client? It depends on the situation. These are all negotiated. I mean, I have set rate for fees, but it depends on the situation. And the first thing I do is I find out what their needs are. I don't go in there with a prepackaged set of programs that I try to foist upon them. I go in there, and again, just like filling the yellow page ad, I do a fact-finding. Because they don't know very often what they want. They know there's an issue. Or maybe they didn't even know there was an issue. Maybe Steve called them up and they said, you know, my marketing isn't what it could be or my management strategies maybe aren't what they could be. Maybe this guy can tell us something. So we have to tell them how they can buy my services. And the only way we can do that is finding out about them and how we might be able to help them. So they might have called about one thing or we might have called them about one thing. And I might end up doing something else entirely different. I might end up doing a series of trainings. I want to bring this up. Picture in front of you, you've got five somewhat new salespeople selling marketing consulting services. And obviously because they're new, their confidence level isn't where yours is at. And I tell people, you know, many times when you're quoting a fee, the way these guys do it is they charge a per-project basis. There's seven projects. They close on the first one, developing a USP for the client before anything, and they charge anywhere between X and X per project. Mm -hmm. But the confidence level, what would you say to these guys related to confidence and consistent with what they charge? You know, because many times their confidence may be so low, they may only charge $250 a project or 1000 a project, where... If their confidence was higher, they could charge three or 4000 What would you tell them if they were sitting in front of you? Well, number one, there's a couple of ways. How do you get confidence? Let me ask you that. Experience. Bingo. How do you get experience? You do it. Or you study it. Or you learn it. If I'm going out there and I'm selling my service to somebody, it's not fake it till you make it. You've got to do the research. You've got to actually become the expert that you're talking about. Once you become the expert, which is not hard to do, because if you're dealing with small businessmen, most of them don't have a clue about marketing. You don't have to know much to know a whole lot more than they do. You don't have to know much to be able to help them. When I first started out selling advertising specialties, I knew very, very little about advertising. I mean, I had a couple courses here and there. But I knew 
an infinite amount more than they did, and I helped them in the areas where I knew I could help them. And then as I gained more expertise, I moved into those other areas. Now, one of the things that people have a hard time realizing is that it's easier to sell at a higher fee very often than it is when you start cutting price. You don't want people buying just on your fee. I mean, who do you want? Do you want a marketing consultant that has to charge $250 to do a project or a marketing consultant that's going to charge you $2,500 to do the sale of the same project? All things being equal, how good can that marketing consultant who's charging $250 be? So from your experience, even with a higher price, you sometimes get a better result? Almost always get a better result. Now, you've got to establish value. Right. I can't say, hey, I'm brand new in the business. I've never done this before. I'd like to try it out on you. I'm going to charge you top fee. Did your fees go up as your confidence increased? Absolutely. What did you start at? See, I didn't start this until after I wrote the book. I'd already spent literally years finding out about the subject, plus I've been years in advertising and marketing. So I had a certain expertise. So I started out, I think, at $95 an hour. A lot of the times I didn't get $95 an hour. I'd say, you know, this is going to be $95 an hour, but I would have to put so much work into it that what I might charge him for one hour, I might have done four hours' work. Because if I did something where I didn't have the expertise, I had to gain the expertise. So your per hour fee, I'm sure, is substantially more than that. It is substantially more than that now. Many, many times more than that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if I'm on a weekly basis or something like that, it's still high, mm -hmm. but it's not what it would be for a team or something like that. Right. If these five guys were in front of you and they were going out making calls, making sales calls on the small business owner, the guy who's still running his business, who's at the shop, who's working it, from your experience, how would you identify the mindset of that business owner? And you're coming in as a marketing consultant. Could you categorize like the mindset of the business owner? Yeah, absolutely. It's the problem we first came out with when I first became a Yellow Page consultant. When we first sold the Yellow Page book, I had an agent at the time that had written other books. He sold this book to the original publisher. We thought we were going to sell millions of copies of this thing because there are five million advertisers out there that advertise in the Yellow Pages, and none of them had a clue. And there are all these different competing directories, and for a number of reasons. You know, they're all spending hundreds of dollars a month on Yellow Pages, and the book sold for 1995. But we could not imagine why anybody who's spending $300 a month and up in the Yellow Pages, and this is, you know, almost 20 years ago, wouldn't spend 1995 for a book, right? Right. It's, it's a no-brainer, especially since this book, it's, there's been years of research going into this book, and it was, it was the best information on the subject they knew nothing about. Guess what? They didn't know they knew nothing about it, and they didn't care. It, we had to generate the business just like anything else. These people don't realize they need marketing. They don't realize they need advertising. But if they do, they do it on the smallest level they can possibly imagine. Most of them are not spending nearly enough money on marketing and advertising, but they don't know that. And if you ask them to spend 100 bucks, it's like you're taking money out of their back pocket. They really have the mindset that, well, you know, I'm going to put my sign out there. I'm going to spend money on office furniture. I'm going to pay my help. I'm going to buy the best equipment. I'm going to do this stuff. And then when it comes to marketing and advertising, it's the first thing they cut or the first thing they don't spend money on when they open the doors. So you've really got to educate them on the value of getting people in there. And the best way to do that is to talk about the customers you're going to bring them, you know, how it's going to change their lives, how it's going to make a difference in their business. In the first chapter of your book, you talk about making the skeleton dance. What does that mean? Well, it comes from a quote from George Bernard Shaw that said, if you can't get rid of the family skeleton, you might as well make it dance. Now, we've all got negatives in everything we're presenting against the negative idea. So what can you do? You can hide them, 
you can basically lie to the customer or hide them. You can mealy mouth around them and try and slip them by them unnoticed. Or you can bring them out and brag about them. And it's a lot easier to bring them out and brag about them, just like I did a minute ago when I was talking about my fees. Are my fees expensive? Absolutely. And why do I charge so much? Because I can. Because my clients aren't just willing to pay these kind of rates. They're happy to pay them for the kind of results I generate. So I'm taking a negative, which is the huge negative we all think about, is price, oh my God, price, and turning it into a positive. Somebody asked me about my prices, yeah, they're expensive. I'm thinking of raising them. I'm bragging about the negative. Chapter 2, you are your most important customer. Can you expand on that? It's exactly what you were talking about a moment ago. Confidence, confidence. If I don't believe in myself, which is what I'm selling, if I don't believe in whatever my products may be, but in this case marketing consulting, if I can't sell it to myself, how am I going to sell it to somebody else? I might be able to if I'm a really good actor, if I'm a really good salesman, but I'm not going to feel good about it. You've got to believe in it yourself. And how do you believe in it yourself? By becoming everything you claim to be. And that's not easy. That's why you have to do the research and you have to become good at it. And you may have to do a couple of gigs on spec to be in with. You've got a protocol set up here. Step one, becoming your most difficult prospect. Exactly, because you want to ask all the questions that the customer is going to ask or the client's going to ask. You've got to sell yourself thoroughly. Again, it's the same thing. You've got to be completely convinced. So if the client throws you an objection, you're going to have an answer to it. If you have that objection in your own head and you secretly agree with him, you know, well, you're too expensive. You're thinking, yeah, I am. I should only be charging 25 bucks an hour. And he says, you're too expensive. You're going to wilt. In my case, if I'm thinking... He says, you're too expensive. I say, I'm 250 bucks an hour or whatever I might say. I'm going to say, hey, yeah. for the results I can generate you, the difference I can make in your business, you've got to be kidding me. Somebody was posting one of an RFP for a keynote the other day, and I won't say the name of the company, but it's a nationally known company. And they wanted a motivational speaker, which is one of the things I do, sales motivational speaking, who would come in there and address all their retail sales reps who are calling on retail customers all around the country and help them take their product to $100 million a year, which was their goal. And this is on the RFP. And do you know what they wanted to pay that keynote speaker? What? $500. Absolutely ludicrous. But if I didn't have the confidence that I could go in there and talk to those people and make a difference in the way they were presenting what they were presenting and help them meet that $100 million goal, hey, they did have people lined up. When I talked to that woman, because I was curious about it, I called her up. And I said, are you getting any response to this thing? And she says, I've got people lined up. Because all of those motivational speakers thought they were worth $500. Now, I don't know if I want a salesperson or a sales trainer or a sales motivational speaker who can't sell their own services for more than $500 trying to motivate my people to get them to a $100 million goal. Can you tell me two stories? One, one of the most exciting stories you can think of that first pops into your head about you landing a client or obtaining a client that really excited you. And number two, a nightmare client story. A client that really excited me. Just any time in your career that you're like, man, yeah, I got that client. And it just ended up being financially rewarding and fulfilling. Let me tell you something that plays to the issue of confidence. first started out doing motivational speaking. And what I do is I'm not quite sure if it's classified motivation. We call it real-world tactics, reality-based motivation, because we try to base the motivation on the real world rather than let's all think happy thoughts and things would be wonderful. So when I wrote something with last, which was dealing with management issues and marketing issues in that way, I put together a presentation. Now, I had always done real nuts and bolts presentations at that point, marketing, sales, 
yellow pages, these kind of things, communication. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of a leap for me in terms of actually presenting this to people. Now, the first time I did it, I did it for a very major corporation, and not only did I do it for a major corporation, I did it for their senior executive. And to say I was nervous was really an understatement. Extremely nervous because, again, these are very sharp, very senior people, and I'm doing something that I've never really done before. This was going into more strategies, the kind of strategies we're talking about now, the kind of strategies of selling the glass, be your own guru, change the scale, make the skeleton dance, and it was also inspirational and motivational. So it was a very different thing from when you say this, this will get you this in a sales call, or design your yellow page ad, put a headline in it, put a good illustration in it, that kind of thing. So I was extremely nervous, particularly dealing with senior level people, because I was going to be telling them about how to manage their own business, and these people were, you know, at 20, 30 years of managing. Now, when that presentation finished, and there was a dead silence, <laughs> finished the presentation, I thought it had gone really well. But I finished, I said, I'm Barry Marr, thank you very much, and there was dead silence. And, you know, it was one of these deals my heart dropped into my stomach. And then... Somebody started clapping, and the entire group stood up and gave me a standing ovation. That was probably the most satisfying moment I've had as a consultant or as a speaker because it was a confidence level thing. I realized that I had done it, I could do it, and then, of course, when they hired me for more gigs, that was icing on the cake, and I you know, established a relationship with these people. And I can remember going in the limousine back to the airport after that with another speaker who had been on before me. And I just can remember the feeling, the total satisfaction that, yeah, you know, I'd set out to do this thing, and at least at that moment, it really worked. And so far, it's worked since then, so hopefully it'll keep working. Okay, great. And how about a nightmare client? Nightmare client. Same presentation. Quite a bit after that one I did. I went in there, and I had a client that wanted me to, to work with their sales force, and they were a nationally known company. It was a branch of a nationally known company. And they were very weird about hiring me. They looked through my website. They saw all my credentials and everything. And they kept saying, are you going to talk about this? Are you going to talk about that? And I said, I'll talk about whatever you want. I just need to get the information. They said, well, we really need to see you. So we tried to arrange a time they could see me. There was no time they could come and see me. But they hired me anyway. I gave them a particularly good rate because they were part of a national organization. And I figured I could deal with many of theirs. But they were very, very paranoid. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. So they said, well, we want you to do a second training, too. And again, I granted it was one of these deals where I cut my own price. Not by cutting the price, by giving them a second training. And I probably shouldn't have. But it was in my hometown, and it was an easy thing to do. And again, I wanted to work with these people. So I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do the first session. I'll do my normal session. And for the second workshop, I will have a discussion with these people, and you give me the agenda. I'll go in there, and I'll talk about sales, and we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. Well, two days from the presentation, I still haven't got the agenda from these people for this second session. So this guy sends me this email, which basically says, just go in there and talk about sales. So again, I do the presentation. It goes over well. Didn't get a standing ovation. We got a nice ovation. People came up to me afterwards. I did the sales presentation. This guy that had hired me was there, and I could see he wasn't liking what I was talking about. People were asking me. They brought in their secretarial staff, which they didn't tell me till later, and people were asking really, really basic questions on sales. I mean, very, very basic. So I'm thinking, who am I talking to here? And I'm dealing with these basic questions. And at one point, the person that had hired me asked me a specific question, and it was absolutely wrong about what he was talking about. It was something like, basically about being forthcoming with a client. And he was trying to get me to say that maybe the best way to deal with a client was to ignore this particular objection that the customer had, which would have killed any possible sale. 
and as tactfully as I could, I contradicted him in front of his group of people. Well, the session went over, it ended. I wasn't happy with it. I don't think the people in the room were happy with it. And this guy blasted me afterwards. I mean, not there in person. He sent me a letter that went on for probably five pages afterwards about how unprofessional I was, how I hadn't been prepared, how the session had been done at an extremely, extremely basic level, and how my information was just flat out incorrect that I was giving them. Well, the problem was that I contradicted him and not tactfully. I had gone into the presentation, and I hadn't made sure that I was properly prepared. I'd allowed them to slide by without setting a proper agenda. I'd allowed them to slide by without letting me know just who was in the room, because apparently there was a lot of support staff, but there were also senior salespeople mm -hmm. who were completely bored by the presentation. So what's the lesson in that? If you were to talk to those five consultants sitting in front of you, getting ready to go into a business and help them with their marketing consulting, and they may have to go in front of the salespeople and do a sales presentation to show them how to upsell and increase their sales. Because there's going to be some paranoid people on the other end. Who is this consultant, this independent marketing consultant? What are they going to do? Are they fearful of losing their jobs? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and they should absolutely be. They have a right to be paranoid. They have a right to be concerned. And they should do what I didn't do. What I did, because I was very busy, was I prepared the first presentation and that went over fine. I allowed them to take responsibility for preparing the second presentation. And when it wasn't coming through like it should have, I didn't follow up and make sure that it was done and done correctly. I didn't find out who was going to be there. I just assumed it was just going to be salespeople. I didn't ask the question. I didn't pin this person down on the material that was going to be covered when they didn't give me the material. Even though they said they were going to take care of it, I was the one standing up in front of the room. I was the one who was presenting a presentation they weren't happy with at the end of the day. And so I should have taken responsibility to make sure that it was done and done properly, even though he said he was going to do it. I want to get back to your protocol. Step five, more expensive, less reliable, and proud of it. Absolutely. Again, bragging about the negative. You've got a product out there. Not everybody can have the best product in the marketplace, right? Right. Maybe your product is more expensive. Maybe it's less reliable. But I can brag about that negative. I can brag about virtually any negative. If the customer is right or the prospect is right about their objections, granted. Are machines more expensive? Absolutely. Are they less reliable? Absolutely. But look, we're the leaders in the marketplace. Why do you think that happens in spite of the fact that we're more expensive, in spite of the fact that we're less reliable? Because blah, 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 blah. And then you give all the reasons. Back it up with reasons Back why. Back it up with the reasons why. You know, the greatest thing about a negative is it builds such incredible credibility. Yes, our machines are less reliable than the competition. I won't give you the name of the company, but I'm dealing with a company that sells very sophisticated technical equipment. And they had a situation where virtually every piece of their technical equipment that they sold to a government agency didn't work. Can they brag about that? Absolutely, they didn't work. They didn't, every single one of them failed. But yet, what did we do about that? We got on the situation immediately. We found out the problem. We fixed it so it will never happen again. So the problem is not that the product has problems. Every product has problems. Every program has problems. What did we do about it? How did we handle it? What did we learn from it? Now, that's why we're the leader in the industry. We're the leader in the industry not just in spite of that problem, but because of those kind of problems and how we deal with them. This is the end of Part 1, exclusive HMA training with Barry Marr. Please continue to Part 2.
Here is another bonus I want you to know about, extremely valuable, if you go to another site of mine called Executive Audio Institute. That's executiveaudioinstitute.com, all together, no slashes, you will see a site with nothing but all my audio recordings, all in downloadable MP3 form. Now, these are the same recordings that I have on hardtofindseminars.com in the audio clip section, except I will offer you the reprint rights to all of these audio recordings. In other words, I'm going to hand them to you on a silver platter. If you have a website and you need something that generates traffic, I will set up a custom site for you and you can send your visitors to my collection of audio recordings as a bonus. You have here thousands of dollars worth of audio content on some of the best interviews on the internet. You have hundreds of transcripts that you can print out and share with your customers. I'm not going to charge you a dime for it. I'll even build you a custom site. All you have to do is put a small deposit down, but it's refundable once you introduce it to your list. Go on over to executiveaudioinstitute.com and read the first part. You'll see a link. If you want the reprint rights to these audios, it'll explain everything there. I think you're going to find this extremely valuable. It has taken me years and years to build up this collection, to get them all edited, to put the transcript. I've invested tens of thousands of dollars in this collection, and I want you to have it. Go check it out, executiveaudioinstitute.com.